Maybe we should say a prayer. No, I'm not wasting one more minute of my life on prayer. Not one more minute. <laughs> Stop crying! Welcome back to the Bean Dub Podcast. Another one. Yeah. My name is Seth, and with me as always is... Laura. And... The Buffet Basher. Damn. I said it. Been a while since I've bashed a buffet. Same here, but I could probably still do it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Golden Corral. Yeah. Well, hopefully we're back to weekly, if not, you know, whatever. But (laughs) usually on this podcast, uh, we follow around... For an uncomfortably long amount of time, a writer, producer, actor, or director for an entire month, often weekly, and we uh, judge them by their works, and we discuss all of the movies are just a short part of their catalog. But this yeah. month, we're talking about M. Night Shyamalan. Last time we covered Knock at the Cabin. It was a brand new movie in the year of our Lord, 2023. <laughs> Or apparently the end of the world. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, a lot of horrible shit happening. And a lot of apocalyptic movies that this man has directed. So, yeah, I think Mm -hmm. it's quite ideal to... Bella, apocalypse ain't happening now. Go lay down. Uh, Today, we are going to be talking about signs. Like a stop sign? Yeah, or, you know, any kind of sign, really. Or yield, okay. All the signs. (laughs) Yeah. Speed, speed signs. Yeah. Or crop circles. Signs, signs. Everywhere a sign. I mean, it's basically a traffic sign. Yeah. Cone. Cones are signs. Cone? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, to the 2002 movie directed by M. Night Shyamalan. It includes the likes of Mel Gibson's. Melly Gibson's, though. <laughs> Joaquin Phoenix. Rory Culkin and Abigail Breslin. And the main man himself. Because he has to be in every single one of his movies. <laughs> but before we talk about that, as we always do, we got to talk about our weeks. How's everybody's weeks? Pretty good. <laughs> I don't really have a whole lot new going on. Work is starting to slightly pick up. I mean, it's pretty much ups and downs for work. Uh, I, I made a fat ass pot of chili for the Super Bowl. Yes. Really good. Not my normal recipe. I tried something new, and it was not exactly how I normally like it, so I'm not going to use that recipe again, but it was still good. It's just not exactly what I wanted. Mm. And how was the Super Bowl? It it was a, a bowl of super. I mean, I, I spent a lot of it kind of bouncing between watching it and cooking the chili, so... Right. Foots were bald. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> one, one field goal went boom on the, the goalpost. The game was pretty good. The commercials were, eh. Yeah. I don't remember any commercials that were really that outstanding. No, not really. It sucks. They used to be so fucking good. Yeah. Like, where are the Doritos commercials? Yeah. Where'd yeah. they go? Those were always so good. Oh, the Budweiser commercials. Yeah. Super iconic, both of them. Mm. But, I mean, where'd they go? It's probably too expensive to put that shit out there. Advertising <laughs> for, for Budweiser or Doritos. I mean, maybe they just don't want to spend their money on it anymore. Maybe they don't need to anymore. They probably don't. <laughs> I mean... They have their clientele. <laughs> yeah. Like, everybody who's going to uh, be ingesting Doritos and Budweiser 
probably the same. They're already doing it while they're watching the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's fair. <laughs> so is that your week? Yeah, pretty much. I have a hard time remembering what happens in my week. <laughs> it just flies by. Yeah. I'm just so damn busy. That's called burnout. Yeah. yeah. Don't worry, I feel it too. Yeah. You want to talk about the failed Valentine's Day attempt? Uh, sure. <laughs> it's all that I can remember happening. So. Yeah. So we, oh, I found a, a haunt at the Sacramento Scream Park. Just like a, a old building that they like transform into like haunted houses and stuff. And we'd been to before, like on a Halloween one. And they just like sent me an email saying they were doing a Valentine's Day one. And I thought that would be a fun different thing to do so we attempted to do that last saturday and we got there kind of late and the lines were just insanely long and it was freezing outside and we just gave up we drove around for like at least 10 minutes just trying to find parking and it was a big parking lot yeah and we just were like forget it (laughs) let's just go home we were irritated and hungry and so we just stopped at jack in the box and then we drove home so we just like drove to Sacramento and got Jack in the Box, which we could have gotten here, and then <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> just drove back. Fuck it, mini road trip. Yeah, that was even the fast. Yeah, I paid extra for the fast pass, and it was like the length of the building was pretty deep already, and then the line was like well past the building. The building. Like <sighs> we didn't wait that long, but we'd already. We already got there kind of late, so we didn't want to stay too late, and it took a while to find parking, and yeah. when we were waiting in line, and we hadn't even moved after, like, half an hour, and we're like, you know what, this is stupid, like, But I'm excited for this Sunday. Mm-hmm. We're going to go see D.J. Miller. Nice. Which, I guess he's he's not canceled anymore, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. We're going to go see him. I've seen... A few of his stand-ups, like the specials that they record, and he's fucking hilarious. He's always really yeah. funny. And he's really good at improv. I hope he does some crowd work and stuff. <clears throat> I would hope so, knowing who he is and like his, his background, yeah. Yeah. I want him to say that I look like an avocado fucked in uglier <laughs> avocado. <laughs> it would be an honor to have that said about me. <laughs> Since I usually only talk about movies that we've watched, I already talked about Infinity Pool last week. I know I did because I'm currently editing that episode. So I'm not going to talk about Infinity Pool again. It sucked. Um, we watched <laughs> we watched a Shotgun Wedding on Prime, which is actually pretty good. Yeah. I've only seen four new movies this year, and Shotgun Wedding is my number one so far. <laughs> it actually gets kind of brutal. I like it. Yeah. Reminded me of like the mid to like later 2000s comedy romance action movies. Okay. I usually starred Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> All right. And then this one was uh, Josh Duhamel and J Lo again. Yeah. We watched several J Lo movies recently. But that's at the top of my list. And uh, we've all been watching The Last of Us. It's yeah. been two episodes since the last time we recorded mm-hmm. so four and five four was um kept, felt kind of like a little bit of a filler episode got you back into like where they're supposed to be in the game the fifth episode was fucking amazing again really suck if they fucked this one up god seriously <laughs> 
as well as it's gone so far and as well as they've done it so far. I'm pretty confident that they're just going <sighs> to they're going to pull it off cuz at episode 5 usually there are only like 10 episodes, so they're already halfway through the season. Yeah. Yeah. But HBO always has the highest budgets for shows. Yeah. I didn't watch House of the Dragon, but I'm sure that's insanely high. It is. What about the older movie I introduced you to? Spy? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I wasn't going to talk about older movies, but yeah, I watched Spy for the first time, which was awesome. I guess like it's like Paul Feig's highest rated movie. I think there's one other one that's like really old and Christian-y. <laughs> that's <Fun>. rated higher. <laughs> but that's just because so nobody's seen it. <laughs> but Spy is really, really fucking funny. Had Melissa McCarthy and Jason Statham. Jason Statham is just like the most ridiculous character. And I had a fucking groundbreaking discovery watching the um, <laughs> outtakes of that movie that Jason Statham's accent that he always uses in the movies isn't even his accent. What? <laughs> he doesn't sound like that. Yeah, his like deep, like gruff voice. That's not him. <laughs> oh okay yeah. like he broke character in the outtakes uh-huh. and he like has my, a much more subtle like posh british accent yeah what the fuck yeah <laughs> so the impression everybody does of jason statham is an impression he's already doing wow it's pretty great right? <laughs> it's so ridiculous i mean that blew my mind I good for like, him what the fuck why is he sound, why does he sound completely different wow yeah yeah so no, right. only you know that too. Boom, Six of our <laughs> I said, bitch, I'm the man of the house. The more you know. <laughs> Another one. What a fun fact. Okay. Yes. We'll get into this movie. But before we do that, we're going to do the fun fact. All right. We haven't been going that long. Yeah. You guys can listen. You fucks. You're already here. <laughs> Just stick around. Please. So this one was... Very much a last second thing, but I had to dive a little bit deeper into it with not a lot of time, but this is pretty cool. Uh, the smallest handmade sculpture ever was made by a guy named Willard Weigan. I hope I'm saying that right. Weigan? Maybe Weigan. It, it's W-I-G-A-N. It could be either way, and he's, he's British. So it could be Weigan or Weigan. I, I don't know. It measured .078 millimeters by .053 millimeters or 78 by 53 microns is that the guy that does the sculptures in the needlepoint yeah 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 it is same guy <laughs> yeah it's small reference for anybody who doesn't know which i didn't until tonight the width of an average human hair is about 70 microns so we're talking sculptures like the size of a human hair how could you do that incredibly tiny tools and a microscope I had to look up how he did it. YouTube videos and stuff. Yeah, it's crazy. Is that all the, all the information you had? Uh, just a little bit more. It was an embryo, like a human embryo. Okay. But he seated it inside of one of his hairs that he split in half. What? <laughs> With visual reference. For the listening audience. Yeah. I mean, for you guys at least. Yeah. He encased it in one of his own like split open hairs. It's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, he does all kinds of shit like you were talking about. The, the micro needle, sculptures yeah. that are in like the eye of the needle that you thread. And yeah. like tiny needles. Yeah, I saw, I saw some of those. Um, Crazy. Several years ago. But my parents would always wake up on Sunday mornings and watch Sunday morning. 
I don't know. I don't know what channel that's on. It's like CBS or something. But it just goes through like news and other shit. Random yeah. Entertainment stuff. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Just a Sunday morning news show. But at the end, they always have like, or they always have the this like nature segment. But one of the segments right before that, they went over like this guy who was making art in a needlepoint, like a the eye of the needle. That's pretty cool. And it's insane. Yeah. And he's, and he's done it several times. Well, yeah, he's got like a portfolio of shit that he's done. Does it come with a magnifying glass? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. How the fuck else can you see he, what it is? He he has the smallest <laughs> plot in a museum ever. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a bunch of needles. Yeah. And a hair. <laughs> uh, he said in the video one time that he was doing um like the, the Mad Hatter's uh, tea party from Alice in Wonderland. Mm-hmm. And he went to place Alice into the needle head and breathed in too hard and breathed it in. And had Nailed to do Alice. it again. <laughs> he inhaled Alice. What is the? She went down his rabbit it? hole. That I didn't get into. It's probably some kind of soft material, I would mm-hmm. guess. Yeah, but it's got to be something really easy to work with. I mean, you're dealing literally with like microscopic stuff. Hopefully so it's yeah. ingestible. <laughs> yeah, she just well, makes that, it out of rice. And... But that small, <laughs> that small of a, a quantity, you know, like it's teeny tiny. It'd have to be pretty bad for you if, if that much hurt you, you know? Yeah, ricin. Yeah, ricin. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what that is. It's like one of the most potent poisons oh. ever Why created. would you be making sculptures of a poison? Out of poison. <laughs> yeah, well, that was a joke. Well, I, I thought you said rice. Rice. Nah, rice is too big. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck rice. And it's not soft enough. Like well, out of. probably not as soft as like some plastics and obviously like wax and stuff like that. But I don't know if if you worked carefully enough, you you could scratch rice up into a sculpture. What is this art for ants? Yeah, he he also said in that video that it's more precise than any microsurgeon. He may have been boasting a little bit on that. I'm yeah. I'm sure, but flex on the surgeons i mean you you kind of have to have that level of precision he was talking about how he does like meditative breathing yeah and has studied how snipers work and their breathing patterns and works in between heartbeats to make sure that he doesn't like very suddenly or subtly move because it could fuck up the entire thing how do you work in between heartbeats you You, feel your heartbeat and then you 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 take a couple of breaths deep breaths and then you hold it and wait until your heart beats and then you move because the heartbeat can actually move you enough to fuck that up yeah like it's it's crazy there's no way there's no way all right well that marks the spot where we get to start talking about the movie of the day yes m night Shyamalan's. <laughs> i'm in danger aliens <laughs> it's signs from 2002 with Melly gibson's you already said that I know. I'm reiterating. That's <laughs> what you do on a podcast. Just for Mellie those Gibbs of you, is my shit. Yeah. <laughs> for those of you tuning in right now, mm. we're covering signs. <laughs> all how podcasts work. <laughs> is this the radio edit? <laughs> we have a very small spot on Sirius XM. Hey, fuck it, moving up. <laughs> moving up. Yeah. So you guys have all seen it before. Yeah. yeah. Do you like the movie? You know, before we spoil it or anything. Yeah. Yeah. Great movie. Yeah. I agree. It was good the first time I saw it. It was not exactly as I remember it because it's been a long time. Yeah. yeah. But 
it's still good. Yeah. It really hasn't aged as much as some of his other movies. No. No. Especially The Village. <sighs> That's another one that I've seen once, and it was not much after it went out of theaters that I saw it. Oh. So it's been a long time. I don't remember when I saw Signs, but it was when I was a kid. I didn't remember it as well as I thought I did. I remembered the... No, I can't say. <laughs> I can't say what I remembered. Yeah. Because we're still spoiler-free. Spoiler yeah. But, um, I do remember specific scenes, but I didn't remember how it all fit together. And yeah. I actually, actually remembered more of the scenes that Scary Movie parodied uh-huh. than the actual movie. Yep, same I here, too. I didn't remember any of the Scary Movie stuff. For science. Yeah, yeah th- a, there was a lot. Yeah, there were there several was a scenes lot. that they parodied. I think it's Scream 3 in particular, they like parodied several Shyamalan movies. Yeah. You mean Scary Movie 3? Yeah. You said what Scream. Oh, Scream. Yeah. Oh, I remember them parodying Scream a lot. Yeah, because that's the first one. <clears throat> yeah. And the original name for Scream, Scream was Scary Movie. Yeah. yeah. So we made it the perfect parody movie. Yeah, seriously. I said, bitch, I'm the man of the house. Oh, <sighs> uh, I, can't, I can't do it without going into spoiler territory. <laughs> all right, well, we all liked it. I liked it. Yeah. I liked it the first time I watched it, as mm-hmm. much as I remembered. And I liked it even more now. Yeah. And I've watched it twice most recently, so I've mm-hmm. seen it three times. Yeah. And uh, I actually caught a lot more interesting things on my second watch recently. Once you know what happens, then you can catch all a lot more of the Easter eggs and stuff. Yeah, especially if you watch it in, like, close succession. Yeah. And that's one thing that is really cool about... Because you usually see, like, movies with, that rely on the twist so much, and it's only, like, able to be watched once. Yeah. But with the older M. Night Shyamalan movies, at least, repeat viewings actually serves more to, you know, the okay. story and... And understanding how it all comes together. Yeah. Maybe I'd like Knock at the Cabin more if I watched it a second time. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) If you ever get around to it. All right. Well, let's spoil this movie. Oh, fuck. I can't believe you've done this. Everybody who hasn't seen the movie, don't. Poor Doge. Poor Doge. (laughs) Yeah. Poor both Doge. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, no one prepared you for double double dog death in this movie. No. (laughs) Canine calamity. Um, I know I said last time that I don't think Shyamalan is a very strong writer, but this one's actually really well written Mm -hmm. and really well directed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was very impressed watching it. The cinematography and everything, it just really has a, a style of its own. I think, to be fair, you said he is not as strong a writer with non-original works. Yes. And and the, this, as far as I know, is an original work from him, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. So for Knock at the Cabin, it was not original to him, but he did a screenplay off of... He adapted already, it like, to be a screenplay. Okay. Off so, of the book, yeah. Right. Yeah. His adapted works are almost all bad, if not all bad, because he adapted The Last Airbender... Old and Knock at a Cabin. I don't know if he's adapted any other ones. The Happening was an original idea, unfortunately, for him. Oof. I think Lady in the Water was... I think Lady in the Water was a book. It might have been. I'm not positive. Not sure. But the early movies. There's like that trilogy between the late 90s and early 2000s of the movies that people claim as like M. Night Shyamalan's best movies. Yeah. Which is The Sixth Sense, Unbreakable, and Signs. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, the way he incorporates certain things into his movies, where he gets his ideas from, is really interesting, actually. Shyamalan has pretty interesting ideas. I just think he's uh, too religious. It's a little annoying sometimes. From the movies that I've seen of his, that seems to be a very strong underlying theme. Yeah. It's just part of who he is, so... I mean, I, it's, and that's that's fine. It's probably just not really something that he can remove from his like concept of. Hey, he still he still make... makes good movies. I mean, they're mostly yeah. PG thirteen, but even the, I mean, the only two R rated movies he made was Knock at the Cabin, No, and The Happening. Um, um wasn't no. Split? No, PG thirteen. Damn, that one was dark. Split was fucked. But I guess it wasn't it's really. Good, though. Yeah, it wasn't it was really good. that violent, though. You know. Like, yeah. it wasn't super graphic. It no, was, it was not scary. really. No, creepy. Not, none of his movies are that graphic. Yeah. Except in The Happening, they do, like, blast a kid in the face with a shotgun point blank. <laughs> I didn't remember. Bye. <laughs> Shit. It's such a ridiculous movie, though. Like, I've just busted out laughing when that happened. <laughs> You're a kid, like, person. flew back. There have been several You don't moments. think you'd fly back if you got your face shot in? No, that, I mean, that's not why it was funny. It's just funny because of how ridiculous I mean... the concept was and how stupid that movie is. <sighs> the Happening is and always will be a guilty pleasure of mine. Because it's just so bad it's good. It lands in that category for me. That's why it's so weird, the anomaly that M. Night Shyamalan is, where he, like, makes... A really well written and directed movie like this, and then makes the happening. Yeah. And After Earth. <sighs> and The Last Airbender. Yeah, I don't know. Well, we don't have to talk about all of his other movies. We're going to be talking about Signs from 2002, directed by. <laughs> <coughs> Is that the one starring Millie Gibson? Yep, Millie oh. Gibson. <coughs> Millie Gibson's the one? Yeah. <laughs> Millie Gibson is my shit. Thanks the cast is that. actually pretty stacked, though. <laughs> mm. Well, for the the four main characters, yeah, and it, <sighs> they all went on to have pretty good careers. Yeah, I think Rory Culkin having like the least like massive career. Yeah, but he had steady work at least. Yeah, and this is the first movie Abigail Breslin was in. So Laura's gonna read the back of this Blu-ray, and um, that'll get into my summary. Have you read this? Don't read the first part. I know it says, like, on high-definition Blu-ray. Yes. Okay. Um, (coughs) Signs is the gripping story of an ordinary family as they encounter the possibility that Earth is being invaded by creatures from another planet. When Graham Hess, Mel Gibson, and his family awaken to find a 500-foot crop circle in their backyard, they're told extraterrestrials are responsible. As they watch with growing dread, news reports tell of similar signs suddenly appearing all over the world. Don't even blink as razor-sharp high-definition transports you to a dimension of awe and terror. Oh, (laughs) jump out of your skin as the spectacularly enhanced audio quality intensifies every (laughs) gasp, heartbeat, and otherworldly echo. (gasps) Stir your senses and experience signs as if for the very first time in Blu-ray high definition. (laughs) That was such a big thing when Blu-rays were first sold. Oh, way to push the the high def. Okay, so I should have stopped at signs suddenly appearing all over the world, but that... That should have been the end of it. Yeah. They even had a first paragraph. They had to go back into it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. That was unprepared. I'm sorry. Oh, fuck. I can't believe you've done this. As you guys know, you can cut in at any point. 
So I'll just read through the summary. I said, bitch, I'm the man of the house. Graham and Merrill Hess are woken early in the morning by screaming children of the corn. <laughs> Damn kids. These children are Graham's kids, Morgan and Bo, who found straight fuckery in the cornfield. Fuckery. Crop circles formed perfectly in the cornfield. The corn stalks were pressed down without breaking, and the craftsmanship is impeccable. Can't nobody do that. Later, the dog pees on the floor of the kitchen, acting weird and sick. Officer, <laughs> Officer Paskey, Paskey, what was her name? Officer Paskey shows up to check out their far, farming phenomenon. Yeah, okay, I'll take it again. Farmnomenon. 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 <laughs> farmnomenon. <laughs> there we go. Officer Paskey shows up to check out their farming phenomenon. While the kids hang out with the sick dog outside. Bo doesn't like the water they're giving the dog, but Morgan tells her to do it anyway. The dog gets angry. Next thing you know, the kids are silent and Graham knows something is wrong. Turns out the dog spooked them, seemingly attacked Bo, and Morgan defended her, murdering the dog within the first ten minutes of the movie. Yep. Shanked him with a grill fork. <laughs> Killed the fuck out of that dog. Do you even know that one's name? Yeah. Oh, definitely heard it in the movie. I just can't yeah. remember. Because um, he said the dog's name. Yeah. Tried to attack Bo. Oh, right. But I can't remember what it was. Houdini. Okay, damn. I should have remembered yeah. that because it was, it's one of the trivias too. Yeah. In the middle of the night, Bo wakes up uh, and says a monster was outside her window and needs water to get rid of the glass she has, which tastes old. <laughs> the worst M. Night Shyamalan movie. Nice callback. Once back in Bo's room, Graham sees a human-like figure standing on top of the guest house. Graham gets Merrill, and they both form a plan to scare the person they think is Lionel Pritchard and serve him a good old-fashioned ass-whooping. After running outside and kind of cursing and yelling, the Hess brothers meet each other on the other side of the house, realizing what they chased made its way on top of the roof, and Merrill questions whether or not they were actually chasing Lionel. I, I think that's probably the... There's always some scene, like comedic scene, that he throws in. This movie was actually pretty consistently funny. Yeah. There was a lot of really funny stuff in it. I think one. that one was like, for me, at least, that was like the yeah. comedy <laughs> moment. Yeah. I am insanely angry! <laughs> that's not cursing. No. That's not cursing. I'm pretty sure... When he did curse, he was like, I'm going to whoop your ass or something like that. Yeah. I'm going to give you an ass whooping. Yeah. Maybe yeah. That's why I, I think that's said. why I said that. It was, it, it was ass. <gasps> he said ass. You can't even... Well, nah, it's context. Yeah. I was going to say, you can't say ass as a, the as fuck? a curse. I thought that was rated PG-13. I can't show this to my kids. Ass. <laughs> he said ass. Would you prefer they say anus? No. Nobody prefers you say <laughs> anus. Not a single person in this world. That I'm going to whoop your anus. <laughs> That just sounds sexual. Yeah, I, the other <laughs> the other one sounds worse. I'm gonna beat your anus to a pulp. What the fuck? I'm gonna whoop your ass to a pulp. Yeah. I'm gonna whoop your ass. To yeah, a pulp. You, you can't you can't beat somebody's anus to a pulp without it <laughs> not could. sounding sexual. It would just yeah. hurt. Sexually. You can't <laughs> sexually. Stop it. Damn it. <laughs> The next morning, Officer Paskey comes over to question the brothers about their run-in last night. 
Graham scolds Bo about leaving unfinished glasses of water all over the place. Paskey asks Graham and Merrill several questions about their intruder the night before, but very little information was provided, so we'll just chalk it up to one of those late-night Scandinavian Olympic women. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> they never rest. They gotta jump over something. Yeah. <laughs> just keep jumping. Just keep jumping. Goddamn Scandinavians. Bo approaches the adults at the table, saying the same show is on every station on TV. This show turns out to be breaking news of several crop circles found across the world. Kevin McAllister takes a hit of his inhaler and says, <laughs> Extraterrestrials. He really did sound like Kevin. He really that did. specific point. Is, uh... The family takes a trip into town. Merrill takes off down the sidewalk, and the kids ask Graham for book money. Graham grabs more asthma medicine from the pharmacy, while Merrill grabs an army pamphlet from SFC Cunningham, who has terrible line delivery. God. <laughs> he was crazy Such looking. A bad actor. I don't he know why. He was so weird him. looking. And what does SFC stand for? <laughs> Is that a colonel? Wait, SFC? I'm not sure. Maybe like senior something. Senior something. Commander. That's what I'm thinking. About. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know why he's grabbing a, an army pamphlet. Didn't really explain why he went to do that. Oh, God, we're, we're both very wrong. Oh, okay. Sergeant First Class. Oh, huh. that's right. After being humiliated about his baseball career in the army recruitment building, Merrill and the rest of the family meet up for some fine pizza dining. I love the uh, line that that uh, Sergeant First, First Class Cunningham says, why weren't you in the pros making stacks of cash and getting your toes licked by beautiful, beautiful women? Ugh. Yeah. What the fuck, dude? Ugh. That's weird. Why? <laughs> Why weren't you there? Come on, get your fucking toes licked. Ugh. Ugh. No. <laughs> no, dude. No. Why? Ugh. Are you not going to talk about the pharmacist? I wasn't going to. See that I told you there's a lot of like comedic filler in this movie that the yeah. pharmacist because Graham used to be a, a reverend or a priest minister or priest whatever yeah whatever yeah. she wanted to confess to him because of all the end of the world shit happening so um, she told him about all the curses and stuff that she said mm -hmm. she asked him if a douchebag is a curse and he said like depending on the context and she said like some dude is a douchebag for kissing one of her friends. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that's a curse. Yeah. And she was like, well, I didn't curse 37 times. I cursed 71 times. Such a, how, how do you say douchebag? <laughs> that like, many times. Like, 30, like 34 fucking times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you douchebag, douchebaggery, piece of douchebag fuck. She didn't say fuck. I know. <laughs> but that could have been one of the other 37 curses. We don't know. No, she she <laughs> specified that it was like, that it was like shit asshole yeah. and douchebag. Couldn't have thrown one fuck in there? Maybe just one. No, because it's PG thirteen. Ah. You only get one fuck. <laughs> you only get one well, there wasn't even one in this. <laughs> While sitting at the table, they see the man himself, M. Night Shyamalan, but he gets weirded out seeing the family and he nopes the fuck out of there. Real quick. I didn't know if they described it at any point, but apparently he's the local vet. Yeah, they did. They, they did. did, very briefly, yeah. yeah. Okay. 
I'm not caught up on all the signs lore. It was no, it it was when uh, he went to the house. Yeah, it was right before he went to the house. He's like, oh yeah, Ray Ready or whatever called. Yeah. And then when he went to the house, there was like a sign on the mailbox or like lettering on the mailbox that said like veterinarian on yeah. it. Oh no, it was a. Uh, it was next to one of the doors. Mm-hmm. It was like a little sign next to the doors of like veterinary office okay. go around this way or something mm-hmm. like that. We'll hear more about that motherfucker later. Returning back home, the Hess family hears static on their baby monitor, which has distinct alien voices coming through when they hold it higher. Better signal. It's almost like a clicker. Smartest person in the family is fucking Morgan, the Culkin kid. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, that's just because he was fascinated by it. Uh, that night, while trying to feed his last dog, Isabel, Graham gets startled when she's going nuts barking at the cornfield. Graham grabs his flashlight and heads into the dense corn trees. Corn trees. Surprise her motherfucking E.T. prize. He can't see <laughs> shit through the field. He does, however, get startled and drop his flashlight, which gives him the appropriate circumstance to get jump scared by an alien ankle. <laughs> <laughs> that's terrifying a serious amount of undress on that fucking E.T. right there yeah would not have been acceptable in Victorian times no. shameful put, whore put some fucking stockings on them legs you goddamn how dare you bare your ankles <laughs> you heathenous seductress that green ankle's putting me into the bone zone <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no. See how many laughs I can get for Bruce and sighs that I can get from Laura. (laughs) (laughs) Probably pretty equal. (laughs) Once back at the house, Graham settled down with his newfound trauma and says they should watch the TV, which he had been denying everyone else because he refused to believe any of it was real, just like his religion. Morgan grabs Merrill's swimsuit special VHS... To overwrite with the news footage, which shows that things have escalated tremendously since they last checked. That's only because Bo wouldn't give up her ballet recital. Ballet. Yeah. yeah. That's fair. That's, that's a memory do, you're not getting back. Meryl can do without his Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Once the kids are asleep, Graham and Meryl have an existential conversation about whether what's happening is a miracle or something much more grim. Graham seems to be comforting at first, but then completely fucks that up by saying that no one is looking out for them, and they are all alone. God, that was such a hard buzzkill. <laughs> and it was right after, like, Meryl had the lighthearted story about him getting close to kissing this beautiful chick in, like, college or high school around that time. Yeah. And he realized he had gum in his mouth before he kissed her, and then he pulled that out and put it in a cup, and then yeah. Turned by the back time around, he turned she around, she already herself. fucking threw up. Yeah. And he was like, "I'm a miracle man because I know if I hadn't taken that gum out, then I would have been the receiver of that yeah. vomit. She, she would have yak mouthed." <laughs> yeah. yeah, that is not a meat cute. That is <sighs> something I would never hope to experience ever. Not drunk vomit, but uh, yep, I've I've had another person's vomit in my mouth. It's pretty fucking disgusting. Oh, what the fuck? Baby it, vomit? Yeah, baby vomit. Oh, which is still gross enough. I can't imagine like a grown adult's yeah drunk alcohol vomit. vomit. Yeah, it'd be a lot more like acidity. Yeah. Oh god. Oh, 
No. Well, flashback to that time when Graham approached an accident involving his wife, M. Night Shyamalan, his car, and a tree. However, to keep us guessing what all that shit is about, the scene cuts early. Graham finds Meryl in the closet watching the TV, which, in his words, showed a bird running into an invisible wall, crushing its head and falling to the ground. Yeah. As though the alien ship is invisible and constantly watching. Or there's a, like a force field or something around yeah. it. To further show Graham that his family is going insane, he finds his children with aluminum foil hats on, reading a conspiracy theory alien book written by Dr. Bimbu, which they bought <laughs> with his money. Bimbu! Bimbu. It's like bamboo and bimbo. Yeah. Panda ho? Yeah, that works. Sure. Not my best, but I'll take it. Oh, fuck. I can't believe you've done this. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. Come on. It was a stretch, if anything, but it wasn't that I'm bad. I'm in danger. <laughs> Constantly. Graham gets spooked by a picture in the book of a house being set ablaze by a UFO. The house looks exactly like theirs, and an adult and two kids are seen lifeless at the bottom of the picture. Yeah, what happened to Meryl in that situation? <laughs> Where was he? In the house. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He started the fire. He's in the UFO. (laughs) (laughs) God. The phone rings, spooking Graham even harder. The person on the other line says, Father. And Graham knew that it was Ray Reddy. He heads out to make sure Ray is okay. It's more than he could have or should have done in his head. Yeah, I don't really know the influence of why he would care to go check on him. Maybe just his original good nature. Morbid curiosity. Before, before he lost faith. But also, why did he call him, you know? Like, if he was in trouble, why did he call him? Yeah. I think it just... Well, he explains it, that he had his phone number. Yeah. And it was the one that he reached for and he called him. But I think just the way that Graham received that was like, if he called me, it was a last-ditch effort for help, you know? He had to be desperate, you know, yeah. for him to have called. Yeah. Him. Once at M. Night Ray's house... Graham finds Ray sitting in his van, distraught, and saying the tragedy he endured for falling asleep at the wheel was meant to be. It's kind of a fucked up thing to say to yeah. the widowed husband of... Or is he a widower? Uh, yeah. Widower. widower yeah. The widower husband of the fucking woman you killed? Yeah. He explained it a little bit more than that. Though. Yeah, I'm just summarizing. If you want more details, you can... Watch the movie. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Which I highly recommend. Ray also mentions he's headed for the lake because he doesn't think they like water. He leaves Graham with the final words telling him not to go into his pantry as he locked one in. Graham, of course, tries to intimidate and get a look at the alien in the pantry, resorting eventually by attempting to see it in a reflection through a kitchen knife under the door. This leads to the alien shoving its grimy little hand under the door and Graham cuts the tips of its fingers off. Bitch. Well, first he told him that he was a police officer. Oh, God. And that he took one of their friends down in the paddy wagon already. That was such a horrible... I am with the police. Horrible fucking I am, story. I am, I am a, police a police officer. officer. <laughs> Convincing. God, that was so bad. Another good comedic moment. But... Oh, yeah. man. Oh, that Melly Gibson's, though. 
in the middle of that, after he said paddy wagon, what he mouthed after that, it was, I know it was paddy wagon, but did he do anything after that? I don't remember. Or was it just paddy wagon? Like, what the yeah, hell are you doing? Like, why are you saying that? <laughs> yeah, I, just, I don't remember if he mouthed anything after that, but. Yeah. No, I think it was just... God, it's a good thing those aliens can't understand English save themselves that fucking embarrassment. Yeah, for real. <laughs> so bad. Graham returns home to find Meryl, Morgan, and Bo in aluminum foil hats like crazy people. The kids already have them. Meryl just joined the party. Morgan explains that the aliens are either there searching for discoveries in the universe, or they are hostile and need the resources that Earth can provide. The family makes a vote to stay home board up every entrance, and lay low until the aliens go away. Seemed like the best plan, really. Yeah, the the logic behind that, too, was they didn't seem to have a, a very good go with boarded up pantry doors. They weren't very well prepared, anyway. For dinner, they all decide what they'd love to eat the most, as if it was their final meal. But once they're at the table, Graham refuses to say prayer, even to comfort his children, which, as you can imagine, doesn't go over well. They end up consoling each other before their group hug is cut short and they need to get back to boarding up the house. Yeah, he got real mad. We know he lost his religion because of the shitty things that happened to him, but just to, like, help your kids? Yeah, don't don't bring your fucking you kids down. You raised your kids to be religious and then all of a sudden you're, like, taking that away. Yeah. Even avoiding their comfort. I mean, I'm not even religious and I can see that's fucked up. At the bottom of the stairs, the Hess family waits for the oncoming onslaught of the intruding extraterrestrials. It turns out they didn't plan as well as they thought, because the attic door was left unsealed. The family retreats to the basement and barricades the door with a pickaxe. Why would you not automatically just go straight to the basement? Yeah, it would save a lot of, like, boarding. I mean, they can get into the rest of the house all they fucking want to. Just barricade the basement. That seems like the smartest bet. But that doesn't build drama. It makes sense. There's a lot of things that happen in movies because movies. Right. Yeah, that seems like the best scenario, but at the same time, there's still like part of it is not realizing that it's like really real or wanting to admit that it's really, really happening, you know, and that they want they still want to have that comfort. They still want to actually like be able to enjoy their home. And yeah, you know, yeah, they... the whole idea was they were going to sleep in the family room together. Yeah. Plus, I'm sure the basement's, like, cold and smelly, like most basements are. Yeah, asbestos. The aliens distract them by acting like they're focused on the door while they find another way into the basement, which they do through an old coal stove that Morgan just happened to be standing right in front of. Smartest one. Makes a dumb move. This little fucking chameleon alien arm. Yeah, seriously. Uh, an alien arm grabbed Morgan, but Graham and Meryl quickly warded it off and saved the kid. However, Morgan started having an asthma attack, and they had no medicine with them. Graham spoke slowly and confidently, telling him to breathe in and out, allowing the attack to pass. That was an intense scene. Yeah, it was. Which is another part that I didn't remember watching it the first time. Yeah, same. There was a lot more emotion in this movie than I remembered. And I probably wasn't catching on to all the comedy either. Yeah. How young I was watching it. They all fall asleep on what has to be an incredibly comfortable basement floor. Graham remembers the rest of the sequence when his wife and mother of their children was pinned between Ray's truck and a tree. Officer Paskey explains to him that she's essentially been split in half 
and that they can't remove the vehicle without causing much worse damage. Paskey tells Graham to talk to his wife while she's still conscious, and yeah. that it would be their last interaction. Which would so be, fucked. like, one of the hardest things for you to do. Yeah. Yeah, like, you show Going up... Going in knowing. The whole flashback sequence seems like it takes place over about five minutes at the most. Maybe. Like, the real-life timeline there is going to be really fast. Like, you show up, they're like, uh... She's almost dead. She about to die, go talk to her, basically. And then you get, like, a minute or two at the most. If even that. If that, she's yeah. She's barely talking to him. Yeah, that's fucking horrible. Yeah, that circumstance is so fucked up, but the entire time I was just thinking about Scary Movie, because they have the same scene, the gender roles are reversed, because I think it's on a Ferris that goes to check on the guy. Yeah. But it's just so much funnier. But the context in this movie is much darker. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm very surprised all he lost was his religion. Yeah. Yeah. That would be a really fucking hard thing to deal with. Fuck yeah. To not be more angry at the other guy. Uh, To not immediately turn around and just want to kill that fool. Yeah. Yeah. After waking in the morning, Graham overheard Merrill listening to the radio saying that the aliens had retreated and that only a few injured stragglers were left over. Knowing Morgan is still in a sensitive state, Graham and Merrill know they have... They need to get to the asthma medicine as soon as possible. They ensure that they're safe to leave the basement by listening to the baby monitor, which sounds like only static. Obviously, nothing can just go as planned, though. So as soon as the family gets settled upstairs and Merrill finds his way back with the medicine, they find unconscious Morgan had been picked up by one of the ugly motherfuckers. In fact, it was the exact same one that Graham had chopped the fingers off of back for vengeance. Uh, go fuck. The alien holds Morgan as if he's in a hostage situation with a spite claw springing out of its palm placed next to Morgan's face. A little, like, poison gas. Yeah, I don't know why it had to be, like, a little tiny claw that puts the gas out, though. I don't know. It looks like some like a syringe you'd more likely inject that way. Yeah. Graham tells Merrill to swing away. And once Merrill grabs his champion slugger off the wall, the alien blows poison dust up Morgan's nostrils and drops him. <laughs> Merrill follows through and tries to beat the balls off the giant ugly bitch. After a few hits that seemed inadequate, the alien stumbles around and drops one of the hundreds of unfinished glasses of water on itself. So fucking many glasses of water. Which reacts like acid on its skin. My impression of the alien. <laughs> he did squeal. I thought it was one of the cats. No, that was good. <laughs> I'll take it. Meryl takes the hint and bats homers of water glasses directly at the alien until it's defeated. Finally, Meryl joins Graham outside holding Morgan, convincing himself that Morgan's lungs were closed when the poison dust was dispersed. So some medicine revived that boy real quick. <laughs> epinephrine shot and happily family everly after in a religious way of course yes the end. Yep. and that is signs it's my shit the tagline is it's happening it's happening <laughs> so signs is a really good movie yeah. I will definitely be watching it again and it might be my favorite M. Night Shyamalan movie Yeah. like just overall quality and 
I don't feel like there's a lot of holes that I could point out in the writing or the yeah. directing or, you know, the acting is really good. Mel mm-hmm. Gibson was fucking great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All of them really were really good. emotional performance at certain points and they got yeah. the funny stuff in there. Like, Joaquin Phoenix, I feel like, is down the a road of, like, Daniel Day-Lewis. Really talented actor and he's just going to do more and more Oscar-winning performances. Yeah. Yeah. So, obviously, he was really good in that. Abigail Breslin was amazing. She was so cute. Yeah, adorable. For, for such a young person when that was filmed, yeah, she did. A good I mean, job. she couldn't have been yeah. more than like six. Yeah, no. At the most, I would yeah. guess. Yeah, she was young. And Rory Culkin, probably like ten, maybe. I've liked everything that I saw Rory Culkin in. He was also in Mean Creek. He's a couple kid in Mean Creek. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I have anything bad to say about Signs. It's very middle of the road, and that you know the reason that I didn't want to cover like the Sixth Sense is because like what else am I going to say about the Sixth Sense? I said about it. Yeah, I don't even really feel the need to watch it again. But Signs kind of stuck out in my mind as like something that is worth a revisit. A lot of people really hold it at as high regard. Some people, it's their favorite M Night Shyamalan movie. Yeah, and I think it might be mine. I really liked Split as well, mm-hmm. and. Unbreakable was pretty good. I think Split was better than Unbreakable. The visit, <sighs> the visit was really good too. Yeah. I think I would like to. Do, wasn't Unbreakable and Split? Wasn't that part of a trilogy? Am I mistaken? Was yeah. Unbreakable, Glass, or Split then Glass? Right? Glass. Yeah. Glass was the one that I was missing. Glass. Yeah. And I still haven't seen Glass. Split's the only one I've seen of the three. Of those three? You haven't seen Unbreakable? Nope. See, because I'd never seen... I only saw Split, so the, like, big twist in Split meant nothing to me. I was like, okay. Yeah. But for people who had seen Unbreakable, and and Laura ended up showing me Unbreakable. You liked it, right? Yeah, it's it's pretty good. It's like M. Night Shyamalan's rendition of a superhero movie. It's pretty cool. It's fun. I think I would like to kind of reserve judgment about the favorite Shyamalan movie until I see... All three of those again? Well, two of them for the first time and Split for the second time. Split was really good, though. As a standalone, I think Split is really good. Yeah. That could not have been an easy role to prep for. No. (laughs) No. Fuck, man. James McAvoy is very talented. Incredible. How many personalities? I think it was like 11 or something. Yeah, it was was some ridiculous amount. Fuck, man. I've, I've watched several movies that tried to use split personality disorder which is not even what it's called anymore it's called disassociative identity disorder yeah and i don't think any movie handles it as well as split and people still don't like split because it doesn't handle it correctly because horror movies especially are going to show that kind of disorder in a negative light because they're all always going to be serial killers right yeah which like no people with did are actually serial killers yeah because you bring DID into your life because of trauma. You're not interested in killing people for that reason. You're doing it to protect yourself. It's a coping mechanism mm-hmm. more yeah. than anything, yeah. So that it kind of makes it offensive in that way, but I don't really see it that way. I think Split was a better representation of it. I don't have, like, first-hand experience or anything. No. Right. I'm, yeah. I'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist, and I, I don't have DID, so I can't say how accurate... Yeah, that's fair. Inaccurate it is. Yeah. We won't have time to cover Split anyway. I already have the next movie picked out, which is one you haven't seen, so... It's old. <sighs> it's not old. <laughs> How old is it? Whoa, hey. Oh, fuck. 
Hey. I can't believe you've done this. Got a sigh from you <laughs> and a chuckle from Laura. I'll this take is that the as shit a that win. You like? mm-hmm. I'll take that as a win. God damn it. What? It was so old. How old is it? You're still laughing. Again. All right. Stop. All right, I'll take it. Stop. <laughs> I'm in danger. I think that's the Carson. Wasn't that a Johnny Carson yeah. thing? Yeah. Yeah. We all like Signs. It's a great movie. And if you haven't watched it at this point, sorry, but <laughs> go watch it. How many times do we have to say in like every podcast, just go fucking watch the movie and then listen to us? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just Just go along with us after. That's the way these podcasts work. I have several podcasts that I follow that I will watch movies before I listen to their podcast about it. Yeah, even if the movie sounds like it's going to be absolute trash, and most times it is, we still watch them. Uh, we'll move into the budget and uh, earning segment of the episode. So, Signs open first on the weekend of August 2nd, 20... Or not 20... Science opened first on the weekend of August 2nd, 2002. You could have said 2002, I guess. 2002. 2002. Beating out the likes of Austin Powers and Goldmember. And the Master of Disguise. The Masters, I'm not surprised. (laughs) And honestly, Austin Powers, I'm not surprised either. That's more of like a, a cult following kind of thing. Yeah. So what do you think the budget for this movie was? Um, I have to say right now, in doing a little research earlier, I stumbled upon that. I have to abstain from this one because well, I I did accidentally see that doesn't make any what the budget was. Then. I don't I don't want to lie and what 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 do you think it was? Yeah, I think it was probably pretty high. That was high. Like they went on scene to different locations and did the corn the crop circles. the crop circles actually did that because yeah. M. Night didn't want anything fake. So really the only CGI they had in the movie was the alien, which they only showed a little bit. It sounds like they built the house from ground up on that property. Of course they did. I'm sure, yeah. Because they, they said they were planning where they were going to build the house and like it had to look this certain way, so they did it all. Um, so I'm pretty sure it was fairly high, but $30 million. That's high? I don't know. Back then, is that not high? Honestly, I was thinking more like 75 that's probably too high. And what did you see, Bruce? Seventy-two is what I saw. Yeah, it's seventy-two million. Okay. So yeah, the, the seventy-five was not <laughs> half far off. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> always go with your gut. I was really mad when what? I accidentally saw that. I was just like, man, fuck! I know I spoiled this it. is part of the fucking episode. Like this is yeah. just, oh. Sometimes it gets spoiled and whatever. <sighs> that's the first time though. Yeah, well, I'm glad you were fair and said that you had to abstain from it. Yeah, I, uh, I didn't want to do that. You just randomly look at Yeah, I was like trying to find more yeah, information and like, like and stuff like that. Yeah, it really was just like movie title, written and directed, budget. Just ah ah fuck you. <laughs> See, and that's fuck funny you. because that's usually hard like harder to find out. But for that one apparently not. That was that was Wikipedia. So opening weekend, signs earned sixty million one hundred and seventeen thousand eighty dollars. Pretty good. The domestic box office ended up earning $227,966,634. Yep, even better. International box office was $180,281,283. So about 400 overall. Yep, worldwide box office is 408, 250,578. Not bad. $408 million. Not bad yeah. for a $72 million budget. $72 million budget. That's really good. 
This is why M. Night Shyamalan keeps getting yeah. more work. Keeps getting gigs, yeah. yeah. I'm sure The Sixth Sense did much better. Even better than that. Yeah. It's probably a lot lower budget, too. Probably. Sixth Sense had to been... When was it? 99. Yeah. 98, 99-ish, yeah. Now we played a little-known game of who would Ryan Reynolds play in Signs? I'm going to go with Meryl. Yeah. That was my first instinct was Meryl. Yeah, the funnier younger brother. Yeah. That makes sense. I was going to say the alien ankle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just the little horn thing that popped out. <laughs> just, oh, the fucking alien wrist. Just the poison horn. I'm going to fucking spray you now. Psst. It just has his head on the end of it. Yeah. Another one. I'm going to fucking spray you now. Another one. I'm going to fucking spray you now. Another one. I'm gonna fucking spray you now. Another one. <laughs> yeah, realistically, it's probably Meryl. I don't think. I think that's the only thing we can legitimately say. Yeah. Although he does play a pretty good dad in Amityville Horror. Yeah. I haven't seen Amityville. Not the Melly Gibson's kind of dad, though. That's fair. You wouldn't want him to be anti-Semitic. Well. Ooh. <laughs> That was a little bit later in his career. You wouldn't want to murder your entire family either, so... Yeah, that's yeah. fair. <laughs> Tends to be frowned upon. Yeah, my my timeline's a little messed up, so I don't remember when Mel Gibson actually got, like, when those weird anti-Semitic and racist phone calls came out. I want to say it was, like, late 2000s. So it was, it was definitely after this. Yeah. I feel like it was around the same time that, like, Charlie Sheen went off on his weird, like, drug it's, shit. It's very possible. Yeah, tiger blood tiger and shit. Blood. Oh, God. <laughs> I feel like it was right around the same time. Pretty close. And I feel like that was, like, late 2000s. Maybe early 10s. I have one speed. Go! All right. Trivious. The stories of the children's birth are actually the stories of M. Night Shyamalan's two children. Oh, that's really cute. Oh, that's cool. You remember the stories of the children's birth? Yeah. Nice little nod. That's pretty cool. Yeah. The crop circles are real, as M. Night Shyamalan doesn't particularly like using CGI. Yeah. Except the aliens were the aliens. CGI. Yeah, they were. It's pro- I Unfortunately. Mean, considering the budget, that was probably the best that they could have done at the time, too. It's the best that they had. Yeah. Yeah. Available. I mean, yeah. CGI wasn't that great back then. No. The I best... mean, it still doesn't look bad. It doesn't look bad. No. And they also intentionally didn't spend a lot of time on them, you know, because it and, was like. And it wasn't meant to be besides like the hand. Yeah. The alien hand. Yeah. None of it was really meant to be hyper detailed. It was mm-hmm. all like dark, shadowy. Yeah. yeah. And it, it it made sense because, <coughs> well, specifically, like Morgan said in the reading the book, that they're as they got smarter, that their need for like physical strength would become less and less important. Yeah. So like, yeah, they were tall, but they were like really frail and skinny. Mm-hmm. You know, they yeah. didn't look strong at all. So I don't know the need to like focus on them as as being terrifying. They were only terrifying because they were, like, unknown. Because it's abnormal. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't look, like, particularly... I did really like the camouflage, like, chameleon quality, too. that was cool. The hand and arm of the 
alien that was holding Morgan was like camouflaged with his plaid. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, the Brazilian video was shot with a household camcorder by M. Night Shyamalan himself. That Brazilian video is also considered one of the scariest scenes in any movie by oh. several yeah. critics. It's an infamous scene. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's still passed around on the internet today as like an original video. Wow. Even though it's from signs. <laughs> yeah. I was actually on Instagram scrolling through earlier and the chive posted specifically that frame of just alien mid walk through yep. right there. Wow. And told people to guess the movie and so many people in the comments were just like this is one of the most traumatic things I've ever seen in a movie. It still yeah. scares me to this day to see it. Yeah. It's all people who were young when they saw it. Yeah. I can yeah. imagine. It's real fucked up. But I think I saw The Ring before I saw this, so that was more fucked up. More traumatizing. Yeah. The horse scene is ridiculous. <sighs> uh, according to M. Night Shyamalan, the movie's title has two meanings. One is the crop signs. But it is also about faith and the existence of signs from above. Yeah. Makes sense. They very much alluded to that in the movie. To both meanings. Yeah. yeah. Three out of four of the Hess family members are played by actors or actresses who are the younger siblings of actors. Rory Culkin, Abigail Breslin, and Joaquin Phoenix are respectively related to Macaulay and Kieran Culkin, Spencer Breslin, and the late River Phoenix. I don't mm -hmm. know Spencer Breslin. I don't know Spencer Breslin either. Oh. What? Is he known for anything? I don't remember where I've seen him, but I've definitely seen this kid's face before. Probably not as well known as Abigail by now. Probably not by now, no. I know I've seen him in a bunch of shit. Oh! Oh, he's El- um, Oh! That's her brother? Santa Claus! Yeah, he was one of the main He's elves. elf from Santa Claus. He was like his advisor, right? Yeah. Oh, fuck, I don't remember that. Oh, he apparently was also in The Happening. Yeah, he's the kid that gets shot with a shotgun. Oh, shit. Oh. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> Yay, we got it. Hey, guess what, Bo? <laughs> Oof. I'm gonna kill you, big brother. Oh, in like six years. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> that. Joaquin Phoenix replaced Mark Ruffalo, who had to pull out of the film due to a brain tumor. It was oh, later found God. to be benign. Damn. No slight to Ruffalo. I think that was the right choice. Yeah. I think Ruffalo would be too old. Not at that time. I don't think it would have been the right... I don't think he has the acting chops that Joaquin Phoenix does. It wouldn't have been the right screen presence, yeah. I also feel like, I don't know... Mel Gibson and Joaquin are convincing. Yeah, they look yeah. enough alike in like build and features that they could be related. I don't I, think. I yeah. believe they're brothers. Yeah, yeah I don't yeah. think that Gibson and and Ruffalo no. could be. M Night Shyamalan said that this was the easiest of all his movies to write and direct. Uh, M Night Shyamalan thinks the scariest thing in this film is that a good man could lose his connection with God. Okay. Horrifying. <laughs> Deeply disturbing. Yeah. Mm, yeah, I've never seen anything more <laughs> more dastardly, <laughs> more extreme. I don't think that, that it's the scariest, but it's it is the saddest part. I think because that was a huge part of who he was, like even to his kids well, and his a, brother. Yeah, he was a yeah. preacher. Yeah, so you know. Yeah, not scariest though. No, no just not, yeah, not sad. Really scary at all. No. After that, at least he could say. I said, "Bitch." 
bitch. I'm the man of the house. He was allowed to say bitch. Yep. <laughs> no more religion. You need to say bitch. Even though he wouldn't. I'm insanely angry. <laughs> <laughs> the aliens were originally going to be invisible, but M. Night Shyamalan couldn't get the effect he wanted. Which also leads into the next trivia, which is the script originally called for the aliens to have a camouflaging ability, much like the one used by the Predator in the Predator franchise. However, when M. Night Shyamalan uh, saw the ILM test shots of the creatures, he decided that it was too effect heavy. I don't think it would have had the same effect. It wouldn't have had the same impact, like especially in the scene where the gas... Yeah. To Morgan, it you can't do that and have like the same effect. It yeah. it wouldn't it wouldn't hit the same way. No. Yeah, good call. But ILM was has been like one of the biggest Yeah, like top of the field CGI effects. Yeah. What is that? Time. Oh, Indust- ILM Industrial just... Light and Magic. Oh. They've done like yeah. some of the biggest movies that you know. Yeah. Isn't that the like visual department of Skywalker shit? I think so. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Of course it is. Well, that's the end of my trivia. Damn. We're getting through it in record time. That's what I love to see. I don't know how long this bit's going to be, so we may be nearing the end. We may not. But now we have a chance at the end of the podcast to go off on intentional tangents about unpopular opinions. Bring it. Get ready (laughs) to get angry. (laughs) (laughs) I have three. Unpopular opinions. Okay. First one, Burger King isn't as bad as everyone says it is. And it's actually amazing. I feel like everyone gives Burger King a hard time. But it's actually delicious. Their beef is flame grilled, which sets it aside from other fast food places where the burgers are usually just fried. At least where I live. And their chicken nuggets are actually just amazing. They're always crispier and more flavorful than other places in my experience. Mm. I really don't understand why people shit on it all the time. The nuggets are fucking trash. (laughs) I I doubt that these people that say it's bad have ever actually gone to a Burger King and have just heard that it's bad because it isn't. And I feel like if people just tried, they'd find it really good. Disclaimer, I've only ever had Burger King in Sweden. Oh. Oh, well. That probably makes a very big difference. (laughs) And I don't know how it is in other countries. Maybe it's awful in other countries. It is. Yes. Surprisingly good here in Sweden. I wouldn't know. There's a lot of countries outside of the U.S. for a lot of fast food chains that are way better in quality. It's limited. From what I hear, even in Sweden alone, or if you say Sweden specifically, that their fast food menus are just better. Yeah. They yeah. Just, they just have better meals. Yeah. Well, I've it's heard just that too. all of the countries outside of the U.S. have higher food standards, which means like there's a required level of like carcinogens must be this level. Nutrition yep. must be this level. Like it's all, it's very set levels that are legal to be served to people in the u.s all that shit's out the window you can just eat plastic for all they care pretty much yeah yeah burger king here in the states is pretty bad it depends like i like the flame grilled like flavor i do like i mean i'll take a whopper once in a while definitely over like a mcdonald's i like surprisingly i don't like any of the burgers from burger king 
But I have liked a few of the chicken sandwiches that they've had. Yeah. It's always just the Whopper that I've had. Um, the, but I do I do like their chicken nuggets. I'm not going to lie. I they're decent. hate their chicken nuggets. I feel like their chicken... Like, I've never had a bad Wendy's chicken either. nuggets are better. They're not as crisp at Wendy's. I mean... Because Burger King does get like a crisp to the outside, but the inside yeah. is... <sighs> I feel like chicken McNuggets are really <sighs> over... They're overloved. McDonald's, yeah, yeah. I don't like them. I don't like McDonald's. I've never liked. I would. I, I do like the Wendy's ones, especially the spicy Wendy's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the flavor from Wendy's on the nuggets are really mm-hmm. good. The outside, I wish, was a little bit more crisp, but that's my only complaint. But what even like even Chick Fil A that has really good chicken, like they have their like chicken, and they're like so. <sighs> I don't like the. I prefer the sandwich. I'm mm-hmm. not a fan of Chick Fil A in general at all. Really? No. I really like Chick Fil A, but I don't understand the hype. I don't know. I've, I've given it a lot of chances. I, like the I breakfast. just ugh. that's. I mean, that's probably more most often what we get is breakfast. I don't, I don't know I've if I the breakfast. I don't think I'd ever automatically go for a chicken nugget at any fast food restaurant. No, I gotta be like baked out of my fucking yeah. gourd to want nuggets at a fast food place. Yeah, but if I'm baked out of my gourd, I'm gonna go for something else. Yeah, that's Which, also like fair. a big Which, ass burger or like cheese fries or some shit. Once I was out of my fat boy stage and my parents Never. always ordering Burger King <laughs> and and Hardee's, pretty much the only two fast food restaurants we ever ordered from. The only time I'd go to Burger King is when I was stoned out of my fucking mind. Mm-hmm. I pretty much go to Burger King for the onion rings, which for me is a purely nostalgic thing. Mm-hmm. And the, I really wish they had the original sauce on it, but the stacker. That's the only burger that I'll actually order from Burger King is the stacker. Double, triple, or quad is how they offer them. Usually I'll get the double. That's the only burger that I'll actually get from there. I think that the Texas Whopper is pretty good because it has a little spice on it. I think but I just that... don't like the way that they make the burgers. I just feel like they're yeah, I... artificial. It's... Yeah, it's like artificially flame-flavored. I'd, I'd rather go to fucking McDonald's and get a McDouble, which is <laughs> like see, the shittiest I... burger I can think of for McDonald's. Yeah, I think the reason Still, I've like, always better. I've yeah. preferred Burger King over McDonald's is because Burger King actually puts like real lettuce and tomato and like mayonnaise on their burgers. McDonald's, it's like those shredded up disgusting onions. If you're lucky, like it's three re- shreds it's of lettuce, rehydrated. Yeah, it's disgusting. Onions. Yeah. They don't have any, like, real produce. Yeah, like an actual sheet of lettuce, a leaf, a sheet. Well, (laughs) once I moved out here, the two fast food restaurants that I realized are really, like, surprisingly good. Well, not good for you at all. (laughs) But but tasty. (laughs) Really tasty, surprisingly, is Jack in the Box and Del Taco. Mm -hmm. Both of them, to me at least, are really tasty. I go back and forth with Del Taco. It really depends on what you get. <clears throat> yeah. Personally. Yeah. But... We have our go-tos. Yeah, we have our go-tos. From yeah, I do I, too. But I like several things from Del Taco. and I don't know. Everything I've ever had from Jack in the Box, maybe I've just always been drunk or stoned. <laughs> no. But Jack in the Box always like delivers on munchy food. Yeah, like yeah. the tiny tacos. Hell yeah. yeah. The yeah. tiny tacos are bomb. Mm-hmm. So yeah, for for Burger King, at least in the U.S., can't speak for Sweden. Yeah, my opinion. Yeah, the nuggets are fucking garbage. The yeah. burgers are okay. Their fries are not good. 
Never yeah, the, the, their regular fries are just no. Bur- same Burger for Wendy's. King. I've never liked their fries either. No, Burger King is like a desperation restaurant for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you have it. Burger King is mid at best. Yeah, at best. <laughs> at best. <laughs> Movie critics don't know shit, and no one should <laughs> listen to them. Critics write the things they want to be seen to write rather than an objective account of a movie. Critic scores are routinely different from to the audiences. They're intent on scoring anything other than in favor of pop un, or other than in favor of popular opinion unless it suits them. Ooh. That's, uh, that's I, pretty correct. I'm feeling say. pretty inclined to agree with that, yeah. yeah. Because it, it's all subjective. Anytime growing up when you look at like critics' opinions, my parents told me like never listen to the critics. Yeah, form your own opinion. But they were so far against critics that they were like, if critics don't like it, then you watch it. <laughs> well, usually that's okay. how it works though. And that's how I found the Scorpion King. <laughs> uh, yikes. No, yeah. The I don't critics know, I, can I, be right on certain things. Yeah, but I think that the critics just they think that they have to make sure that they're as critical as possible because that's right. their job, right? They're supposed yeah, to pick it apart. The yeah. They're supposed to pick it apart and break it down. But their perspective in watching a movie is a job, right? When we as the audience are watching it, it's just for entertainment. So I don't think that they can really go in completely objective and without some sort of predetermined notion of what it's going to be or like and yeah. and they also hold on to the idea of like who the director is or who the actors are and like all their past work and all that's like leading into it the general public don't usually worry that much about all those details right the masses nah no. it's it's a name they know they've seen him in something before whether they love them or hate them it's a recognizable face so they're like oh okay we'll watch that right you know i mean we deal with those customers every day all the time like people that are just literally coming in oh yeah the one that you know so and so is in even if it's definitely a movie that they normally wouldn't ever do and it's a weird one or whatever yeah yeah watch that sure yeah it's like okay (laughs) with as many people who have podcasts and blogs these days it's just so many people can be critics and it's it just gets annoying to me eventually because and that's why I don't I don't it's kind of a meme because obviously we do kind of review movies that we talk about we'd say whether we like them or not right but I don't think that we're critics because we don't care that much about like the value of the movie and it's like cinematography or uh, you know how great the writing usually yeah. we don't care that much about none that. of us went to film school and are basing it on the knowledge of film school. But most of the the people who consider themselves critics that have a fucking podcast never went to film school either. Yeah. I think my interpretation of this unpopular opinion is like the most famous critics. Like like Roger Ebert. The Yeah, the yeah. people who are on like yeah. network TV. Yeah. They're like the mainly, ones that are determining the critic scores on but Rotten they're, Tomatoes. They're just, going, you know? they're just going to be the Oscar bait critics. Right. Right. Because they're always going to be leading to some kind of Academy Award. And they're not always going to cover every movie that comes out. Yeah. You have to get into, like, subgenres of shit for people to even, like, cover certain movies that you would even find. There's so many goddamn movies out there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
Like I said, I, I think that there's the year. critics, you know, yeah. they go in and watch these movies Thousands and review them, and it's a job, Fair. you know, like for the general public, like you, it's just for entertainment, right? And even if it wasn't, you know, incredible or it was a little underwhelming, like if it just like, you know, got you out of your head for a while and you had a good time, most movies it's are just meant to, yeah, entertain you for a couple of hours and don't necessarily need to have rewatchability or anything like that. It's just yeah. one time, enjoy the show, and be done with it. Completely subjective. I, I really hate how pretentious so many people are these days. And it's so fucking annoying because I literally only watch movies to be entertained. And I've always done that. I'm a super fucking movie nerd. I love the Fast and the Furious movies. I'm aware that they're not great in quality for like writing circumstances but it's entertaining but it's really fucking entertaining isn't it yeah that's why they keep making more that's why yeah. people are so entertained by yeah, that's it that's why they keep yeah. making money too yeah, yeah. i really love number 10 of, my favorite movie is kung pao <laughs> yeah that's not a great movie no by any circumstance but yes, it's it fucking is. great but it's really hilarious yeah it's great yeah. by a critic's standards it's not a great no. movie yeah. definitely not. but no, by our sweet. own subjective standards it's fucking great yeah. One of my favorite genres is good bad movies. Yeah. So so bad they're good movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, like you brought movies. up happening. Half a Nick Cage. The movie. happening. Yeah. Nick Cage's movie. Vampire's Kiss. <laughs> yeah. Uh The Room. Oh god, yeah, the room. Velocipaster. I think that was oh, more what's the That name? was a lot more self aware than a lot of the other ones, but the Christmas ones. What's the new vampire Christmas one coming out? The, yeah, that one too, but... I've been watching movies for a long time, and I'm a huge fucking movie nerd, obviously. Yeah. So, I like a lot of movies by entertainment value alone. Yeah. That's why I yeah. really loved Wanted, and I fucking hated Skinamarink. Yeah. Because there's value in the shit that happening, that's happening on screen. I don't have to put a lot of work into imagining what the fuck Skinamarink is even trying to do. Yeah. Why the fuck do I need to watch Walls? What's the deeper meaning? Yeah. No. Which is weird because I I do like David Lynch movies, but I I don't think I like them the same way that the pretentious fucks like it. I don't know. I think that's kind of my take on it. Just talk about what you enjoy. We talk about what we enjoy. Or what we hate. Or what we hate. And we're usually in the general consensus because we're just the general consensus. We're just... We regular ass people. Yeah. <laughs> We're just your most basic ass people. I've seen probably more movies than most people have. But... Well more than I have for sure. <laughs> well more. But we all equally hated Fantastic Four, so. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> See, and you guys didn't listen to critics' reviews. Or even someone that you know's review of no, that we movie. Did. No, no, no. We did. Still had to see it, though. Oh, okay. Still had to see it. I picked it for the podcast. We had to watch it. Yeah. We didn't pick it because I thought it was going to be different. (laughs) Yeah. We picked it it because I knew it was going to be We knew it was going to be fucking bad. We just had to see how bad it actually was. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. It's bad. I tend to not go with the critics, too. Fantastic Four is, is bad, but, like, still doesn't feel like a waste of time watching. Because there were still parts of it that were fun, like, entertaining, right? And it's just, like, fun to look back and laugh on it. Skin of Marink felt like a fucking waste of time. Yeah. 
You know, yeah, I will never watch that movie again. Yeah. No. I mean, I don't want to watch Fantastic Four again, but like. I'll force some poor motherfucker to watch it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, we didn't yeah. have to turn it off. Like, that's yeah. a whole, di- like, that's a whole different level of movie. But, but if, if we're going to choice, if we're going to do that, we got to go like full Abed community shitty movie watching experience and yeah. literally just talk shit about it the whole time. Oh. Kind of like we yeah. already did. Oh, like what's that? Like um, yes, yeah. That's what I was trying to think of. Yeah. Um, but weren't all the critics saying Skinnerink was great too? Yeah. Well, it's split, but <sighs> pretension. I just don't know how it's any art and them fart snivers. But I just don't know how anyone could think it's art. I I understand <sighs> there are going to be different perspectives. Well, you don't understand art. Art is a hundred percent subjective. Abstract 100%. and all that stuff, but like there was just no perspective in that movie. I understand like things mm-hmm. being shot from like a overview of everything or from one person's perspective or something, but like there was no perspective. There was Up just close like corner, one toenail. <laughs> that is the perspective. Yeah, it was just <laughs> Yeah. And maybe Random I didn't get shots. it, but like that's okay because I don't really ever want to be that crazy to where I get something like that totally fair yeah <laughs> all right we on to number three the online sober movement is so annoying over the past year i've noticed a growing trend on the internet of sober influencers telling people to stop drinking all of these videos seem to have something in common and that's that they think we are all alcoholics well <laughs> when in reality <laughs> They as individuals read the just, room, babe. just can manage their drinking. Alcohol is not the problem. Your inability to control your drinking is. True. Sure. But, but alcohol is the substance that people are addicted I, to. So. I, I mean, I think the reason... I mean, I'm not thinking. I, the reason that I picked this one is because of the online sober movement. Because it has been pretty big recently. Like, everybody's like... That's... Sober, n- go... No more alcohol. That's not anything that I've seen before. So that's news to me. And oh, again, I don't well, really follow that many. I don't follow a wide variety of things. Yeah. I don't follow media, anything. So. I know. That's news to me. I, I didn't know that was a trending thing. There's a, a lot of sober influencers and shit that, you know, it's a good idea to go sober and be healthy and like manage your alcohol consumption yeah. better. But yeah, I think that it's being controlled problematically because you can't just say be sober to someone who drinks consistently. It's usually coming from young influencers who haven't experienced that much, like who are barely of age in the first place. Which to me sounds like there's probably other outside influences impressioning them, potentially at least. Yeah. Yeah. Whether that was how they were raised or fuck even sponsors yeah i mean that's very much a large factor in in this kind of thing is yeah you get paid to say whatever the fuck the sponsor wants you to say or you don't get paid right and wanting to be sober (coughs) is not wrong yeah we're three drunk people talking on this subject but (coughs) yep I, i think anything in moderation is fine yeah we're all gonna fucking die eventually just don't kill yourself with it right yeah and from what i i mean just last week we heard like 
it was the first anniversary episode where the person said they drink a pint and a half. Already, that's like yeah. way more than we drink. I think we're doing pretty good. And the most I Still. can drink is like a little over a pint. And like by then, at, at a bad. at a pint, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have a bad hangover. Mm. Yeah. I've definitely had nights where I have almost polished off a fifth to myself, which is fucking horrendous. Yeah. But yeah. I have definitely felt like shit for multiple days after that doing that, too. Right. Like, I'm capable of drinking that much in the right situation, but is it a good idea? No. Never. Absolutely fucking <laughs> not. No. Absolutely not. No. Moderation in general. I also feel like it's the same kind of idea as like the abstinence movement and oh, dare God. and all that shit too. Like it basically just says, eh, go ahead and do this to the person that's listening to I, it. Yeah. I think the main thing that you need to go into, and this is more than just sober from alcohol or the, the sobriety movement from alcohol is just like being able to control the substances you take. Yeah. I have nothing against any substance really if if i mean there's no moderation to fucking meth yeah i'm not going to suggest right. anybody take meth or heroin like the basic levels yeah. of things like but, <laughs> you know like, like yeah. weed and alcohol you know i'm a big proponent for alcohol i love it it's my favorite uh thing that's destroying me <laughs> yeah um yeah i love weed it just it doesn't make me as social as alcohol does, so I don't enjoy it as much um, with other people, usually. Yeah, it's fair. I love mushrooms, but obviously that has to be in moderation, too. You don't do that, like, even several times a week. It's just going to fuck your brain. Yeah. I thought you were supposed to do it, like, every couple months or something. Yeah, that's all I've ever done. Yeah, it's... I, you fucking... don't do it frequently. It's a toxin. Yeah. I don't know anything about the <laughs> microdosing with psilocybin... Yeah, yeah, I don't know either. Maybe that has some. I don't know. I don't, I don't know, know enough about that. So. Uh, Bruce and I are are basic bitches in this category. Yeah, it's weed and alcohol. That's it. And as long as you're in moderation with weed and alcohol, you're all good to go. I don't have any problem with that. Yeah. And you don't have to be completely sober if that's what makes you feel good. Then do it. But if you like drinking and you don't have a problem, yeah. but don't don't try to force the general populace into doing that shit. Don't try to sober. It's going to end the same way as you're never going to see that boy or that girl as like a young teenager dating because that's only going to force them to want to do that more. That's that's like my the takeaway pressure from of this. Like you can't like don't like don't do this or you can't do that. Yeah, like, don't you know. do oh, yeah. drugs. It's the fucking dare program. It's just yeah. like uh, that was so fucking like backwards ineffective. Mm. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> dare cause more people to do drugs. Than it. Yeah, stopped. Yeah. <laughs> That's the impression that I take like the, away from it. The mad mothers against drunk drivers. I feel like that was wasted. Yeah, just wasted initiatives. money. What they should have spent money on is as educating people. Like the again, we've I mean we've discussed this before. It's the same with like sex education, educating them safe practices and ways to do these things that are like yeah, especially with alcohol because instead it's, of don't because do it's it illegal, ever. Alcohol yeah. is a legal drug, you know? It's not illegal, yep. so it should be something that's taught it, in moderation for everyone of is, age to yeah. use, but it is very how much to the same deal way. with it. It is very much the same way as safe sex, because they should be teaching you 
how to safely have sex instead of don't do it at all. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of be completely sober, um, learn your boundaries. Yeah. Don't go overboard. Yeah. And that's why that's, I feel like it's predominantly like an American problem yeah. with that kind of thing. Because it's there's, a very backwards approach. There's so many other countries that start their kid drinking at such a younger age yeah. that don't have this problem. Yeah. yeah. Because they do exactly that. They teach them correct practices, right. moderation, yeah. safety right. from an earlier age instead of this is terrible, don't fucking do it. You can't do it until you're this age, and then you just automatically go, yeah, but I'm going to fucking do it. Well, and the funny thing about <sighs> that is that because all of those parents, those adults, those, you know, people who are educators, they went through the same thing. Yeah. As kids, they did the drugs, and they had the sex, they did all, you know, they yeah. did all that stuff too, and like, now mm -hmm. they're just like trying to force, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, abstinence or sobriety on... <sighs> Kids that are in the exact same position they were, yeah, and just like curiosity, and it's it's completely natural for it just, it just, them to want to experience those things. It it just perpetuates the same shit over and over and yeah. over and over. It's just a pattern, and the unfortunate thing is because that you know the sobriety and the abstinence is like being forced down their throat that the kids aren't going to be able to communicate with their parents and the people who they should be able to trust yeah because i never should have done this yeah or like this. oh my mom is Ugh. gonna kill me yeah you know because i'm drunk so i'm not gonna call her for a ride yeah know, in, because of, i drank instead of having an open dialogue about it initially yeah. and then right dealing with everything in a healthy way right. yeah welcome to the america sucks program yeah <laughs> I'm in danger. <laughs> Constantly. Those were unpopular opinions. Yeah. Some of them we thought were more unpopular than others. Yeah. Fucking Burger King. Fuck them Burger yeah. King nuggets. I'm gonna get Bruce a gift card. To Burger King. Just for. <laughs> I will buy nothing but nuggets. onion rings. Just for nuggets. I will buy nothing but onion rings. I don't think you can specify it's a just nugget what I will find the crackhead on the corner <laughs> that has the onion ring cards, <laughs> and I'll swap them shits out. They're going to want the nuggets over the rings anyway. True. They need the protein. <laughs> well, if you'd like to rate and review our podcast... We don't give a shit because we don't like critics. Be a critic. <laughs> be a critic. <laughs> Rate and review our podcast only with five stars. Yes. We ain't making no movies. <laughs> if you like our podcast, you can leave a review for us and we'll read it on the show. Also, if you'd like to email us with anything you want to say, you can email us at beanduppodcast at gmail.com. If you want to DM us or follow us on any social media, we're beanduppod on twitter and instagram and uh if you want to leave us a voice message there's a link at the bottom of every single one of our descriptions it's an anchor link um you'll have to sign up for an anchor account but Wah. it's easy enough you can leave us a quick voice message and i would love to play that on the podcast we've had one from alex jones and another one from our good friend g baby yes uh go listen to his podcast waxing the porpoise and keep listening to our podcast the bean dub podcast because yeah. uh, next week we're going to be covering our last M. Night Shyamalan movie of the month and it is The Visit 
I knew it. Because it was a movie that Bruce has not seen. <laughs> and it was a movie that Laura and I both very much enjoyed. Yeah. Let's do it. So we'll be covering that probably not in a week, but whenever I can get it done. <laughs> and uh, join us for that. <laughs> and I love you and peace out. Good night. Bye. Oh, fuck. I can't believe you've done this. I fucking did it anyway. <laughs>